have such amazing panellists throughout the show, which made the sessions not only informative, but also fun. This podcast is a recording of one of our panel discussions. Unlocking the power of social care through research. Caroline Koch and James Rycroft are joined by Professors Ruth Endicott from NIHR and Laura Shawcross from UCL to discuss how becoming involved in research can have a huge impact not only on your service users, but also your colleagues and your community. So this session, we're looking at unlocking the power of social care through research. Supposing is good, but finding out is much better. My name is Caroline Kosh. I'm Managing Director for a domiciliary care company. Uh, based in Lancashire. So I'm Ruth Endicott, I'm the Director for Nursing and Midwifery at the National Institute for Health and Care Research. I'm a Professor of Public Health at UCL and have led the Vivaldi study during the pandemic. Uh, my name's James Rycroft, I'm the Managing Director of Vida Healthcare but I am also a Founder and a Director of the amazing Outstanding Society and I'm also really passionate about research so I'm really glad to be sat here because I think it's going to be an interesting... First question, okay, should we engage with, with research? Does it, does it fit with social care? Um, what, what are your um, thoughts? Well, James, maybe let's start with you from a, another social care provider point of view. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not an expert in research, but what I am is, is, a, is a real advocate of it. I've had first-hand experience of... Um, research in my own homes which has been really exciting I look after people that are living with dementia and we've done some research recently which has looked at people that are non-communicative and, and uh, living with advanced dementia so have no way of expressing themselves to us in the way that we're, we're used to and, th and that research has told me an amazing amount of things without going into how we've done that in too much detail but please come and chat to me afterwards if you if you want to know but the end result of it is I think what research does is it makes it allows us to it to be more of an exact science than to make assumptions about what we're doing and it allows us to move forward as a sector because really what we're here for is to refine our service and try and make it better on a daily basis and what research does is give us proof that what we're doing is right for that particular resident and I absolutely embrace that um, I think what, what's happened over the years and, and before I got involved with research programs was I, I was slightly hesitant about the wording and the language that's used the word research in social care it doesn't it doesn't sort of purport the right connotations you know are we researching on our residents and it's not about that at all it's about um, creating an environment using the right language and, and talking to people and using us as a, as, as a font of information to make our services better and I think that's the sort of language that we, you know, certainly with Vivaldi which Laura will talk about and I know Ruth, we've talked about it as well, that language to encourage people to be involved in such programmes is essential. Do you agree? Yeah, and I'll just pick up on that because what you're talking about actually is evidence. How do we know that what we're doing actually works? And I suppose um, I've for many, many years worked with uh, nurses and midwives in a range of settings. And believe you me, when I go and work in a trust, they will often say, don't use that word research. So actually in health settings, you, that it's also a word that's, that's feared or just not liked. 
often for undergrad students, it's the modules that they failed or that they didn't do so well on that they were really boring because they weren't about anything that they were interested in. So there's something about actually how we approach this from a language point of view. But actually, you know, we're all curious, aren't we? You know, why did this work yesterday? It's not working today. What's going on here? What's different today for this resident? Or is it because the family are in the room? So we need to find out, we need to dig into that stuff. So absolutely research is really important because curiosity is important, isn't it? If once we stop thinking about whether anything we're doing is making any difference, then we're just sort of going through the mill, aren't we? And, and that's, that's actually quite a dangerous place to be, isn't it, As, at all levels of the system? I, I think so. And I think, you know, one of, one of the pitfalls that we can all get into just in any business that we're in is to assume. Mm. You know, when we start assuming things, but we're dealing with people, we're dealing with humans and people's loved ones, and we have a responsibility, in my opinion, to try and make that the best. So if we can get some factual evidence that takes away those assumptions, mm why on earth would we not embrace that and I think um, Laurie you know your success you know perhaps it's um, prudent for you to explain the Vivaldi project what's happened to date and what's going forward because it's a, it's a really great example of you know the the success of a research program yeah thanks James I guess for me research is really about problem solving as much mm. as anything it's about saying look we're in this situation this doesn't really make much sense surely we can find a way to try and fix it and research is sometimes the way of finding that answer and so James mentioned Vivaldi so the reason we set the Vivaldi study up was because at the start of the pandemic as you will all know very well there were loads of deaths in care homes and it, tons of infections it was really bad but there was no way of measuring and so it was really hard to know what would work to stop the spread of infection and what wouldn't and so we set this study up really fast, so not like a normal research study, to try and get answers to those questions quickly so that care homes, instead of saying, well, look, what should we be doing, or public health people, you're saying, well, actually, we think these are the things that are most likely to help you protect your residents. And so we were able to do things like show it's really important to pay sick pay, um, to show that having staff working across sites is probably a bad idea. And although these kind of things might seem quite obvious now, back in April, May 2020, they really weren't. And so what we're trying to do now is build on everything we learned about doing that study to say, well, if we can do that for COVID, why wouldn't we do it for flu or for norovirus or for all the other things that cause infections and outbreaks in care homes all the time and cause you know, all sorts of problems for people living in homes, but also for providers with homes shutting to admissions and so forth. So that's the idea behind Vivaldi. And then just to move on from that, I've, I've written down some key words while, while the three other speakers have been speaking. And, you know, the key things for me are refine our service. That's what all of us are here for today and, and what we try to do every single day, isn't it? Strive for better, strive for excellence, strive for outstanding. And if we've got outstanding, what, what can we now next do? What, what, what more can we improve? And then proof and evidence for CQC, I think you know, that's critical. And moving towards the new inspection framework, that, that's going to become even more critical that we provide that evidence. We look at, okay, so what? We're doing this, but so what? How does that impact on the service user, the client who, who is, is, is receiving those care services? Um, I just want to pick up on, because my thoughts around this were, I, I think absolutely research does sit in, 
in social care, but we, we've got a huge issue and challenge with recruitment and retention into the sector, haven't we? And I certainly know from my team, and I'm going to put this out to you guys as well, is, is research going to help engage, enthuse, um, recruit new, new staff, people from outside of the sector in? Is it going to help retain staff? If they're making, if or if they feel like they're making that difference to people's lives, and I've absolutely seen that firsthand with our staff team that they are engaged and they want to learn, they want to develop, they want to do better. Have you guys got any thoughts on that? I, I think, yeah, I mean, recruitment and retention. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's 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 been over the past. Actually, I've seen it starting to turn around a bit recently, but. Over the past uh, couple of years, it's been absolutely horrendous. And I think, you know, the research side of things, you know, it only goes to bolster the professional approach that we all actually have to this. You know, I think sometimes social care has got the wrong connotations about it. It's got a, almost a bad name for itself. And that's actually what the OS try and do as well. We try and scream and shout about the positivity of social care and how amazing it is to be involved with that. And I think research can only help to bolster that and kind of put us on the right path to, you know, it, it adds to the professionalism, in my opinion, of the services that we deliver because we know that what we're doing is factually correct and, 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 and is actually proven to be right. And um, I certainly know that what we've done, and I can only talk for, our, for, for myself in, in what I've done at Vida Healthcare, but with uh, UCL, the, the, the impact, not only on the residents of what we found out, but the impact on the staff and on the family members, because you can, people, I knew, I knew it, I knew that was right, I knew it was right, and now I know it's right, and the staff are going, we've been doing that right. And they, they all of a sudden like feel really empowered by it because it's factually correct. Um, and that's a real joy to see, I think. So, so you know. And I think an important part of that is also that you can't just pick up evidence from somewhere else and drop it into a different setting and assume that evidence works in that place. My background is in a way as far away from, from social care as you can get and in others not, because my background's ICU. For years and years, we've excluded pregnant women from all of our studies. So now when pregnant women come in, actually there's a whole load of things we can't do because they've never act, we've never done studies with pregnant women with these interventions. So we've got to start thinking differently. And I think in a way it's similar, isn't it, in social care that actually we don't know that those things that worked in a, a, a frail older person ward in this particular hospital have any relevance to the way that we are trying to provide a home for these people in our premises. And so actually by starting to say, well, let's look at that, but also let's look at the things that are important to us, the questions that we've got, rather than the questions that other people sort of impose on us. And I think that's what research gives us the chance to do. And there are opportunities out there so you know there's there's funding to do to do this stuff and also funding for individual people too um, and if any of you are interested in that talk to me because i've got money that we can use to help your staff develop but they need to know about it and and to come forward too so and i think some of the retention the staffing issue is about investment isn't it as a very junior staff nurse when somebody said to me would you like to get involved in this i think oh actually someone thinks that I might be worth investing in. And that's actually what this is about, isn't it? By allowing it really is. people working in your, in your areas to get engaged, you say, well, yeah, I think you're worth investing in. And that's important for all of us. 
So funnily enough, Ruth, the next question was, what opportunities are there in social care? <laughs> but it'd be really nice to get a feel. Who here is from residential? And dom care? Minimal dom care, but, but largely residential. I feel like there's some hands not gone up. So I don't know. Resi dom care. Okay, so a few from dom care. So we've got a split between residential and dom care. So what opportunities are there for, for, for us as providers or care teams to get involved with Ruth? Do you, so if I talk about it from an NIHR point of view, um, because essentially um, we hold actually an awful lot of money to actually undertake the research to show evidence that, that we, are, we should be doing what we're currently doing or that we should be doing something different. But there's also a lot of funding to invest in people. And one of the things that will be starting in about six months or so is a program very specifically for people who work in care homes or in social care per se. Um, and so that money will be safeguarded and ring-fenced. Um, and so to, to allow people to start thinking about, well, actually, I'd be really interested to learn how to do X or learn how to do Y. So we can then just provide some money for backfill. And I know, don't go there because you don't have people to backfill with. But you know, at least if we can start to put some money into the system, particularly by having a, a, a funding stream that is safeguarded, that no one else can get their hands on. And so I'm going to be coming back to the sector to say, well, what do you want to do with this? How do we do this? How do we let people know? So there will be, so NIHR invests in people, it invests in studies, and it invests in all this infrastructure, which is why all the COVID studies worked as they did in the UK rather than the other countries. But those, that infrastructure, the ARCs, all of these, we've got that many acronyms, I don't know, we use them twice too sometimes, but you know, we, there is a lot of stuff out there and I think our biggest problem is we don't map it well enough so you know what's going on. Um, so I'm gonna open the floodgates, but email me and I can tell you what's going on in your patch and start putting you in touch with people. I think that's probably good place to start yeah. at least. Yeah. And just also to, to back Ruth up on that, so we would love to help so if there, are research, if there are people who are interested in doing research through Vivaldi, we'd love to work with you and support you. So it's not like you would be expected to just go and set up a project all by yourself and that's it. There are, there are lots of people you can draw on to help you do that. So Ruth, just to confirm, if somebody emails you, you send them money? <laughs> not quite, not quite. Not quite. Um, if somebody emails me, I will actually tell them what's what's available at the moment. Yeah. I will put their name onto the list for, for the people I'm going to talk to about, okay, when this money comes up in September, what would you do with it? How? Because before we can actually put the money out there, we need to know what's going to work. You know, if, if things that we often refer to as internships, which might be, you know, a day a week for three months or a day a week for six months, if that doesn't work, well, how can we do it differently then? So we firstly need to come out to say, how, how can we make it work for you? Do you need people or do you need money? And how, how do we do all of that? So absolutely, yes, I've, I collect all sorts of lists of people who then I network together and say, right, okay, tell me how you would use this money. Um, and yes, I do, I do actually give out money on request sometimes if there's something really, really exciting that somebody wants to do. You know, to me it sounds like, and this is what I've thought really since I've been introduced to research, is that it's a world of opportunity. It is, absolutely. And it's about how we tap into that and, and, and work together. I'm really interested though as well, you know, the Vivaldi project is massive actually, 
for social care. But over the last decades, actually, there's not been a massive amount of research in social care. It's all been heavily weighted in the NHS and the healthcare, hasn't it? Why is that? I, I think I, I, there, are num there are a number of reasons for that. Um, some of that is about who comes forward to take up opportunities and even starts to think about what yes. research questions might be. I'm a nurse. Um, nurses historically have had much less research money than our medical colleagues. So we've actually had to really grow into this and we've had to provide a lot of support for people to say, you can do this, step forward, think about this. How do we make that problem that you're talking about at work into something that maybe we could start a bit of a research project? So, so I, I think there's some of that, but it is also about data, isn't it? So the people I will often talk to in a, a trust, an acute trust, will be people like clinical nurse specialists, because they've got data. The people running the pain service have got data, and you can start to say, okay, so what's that data telling you? Are you ever looking at that data, or are you only ever looking at the person in front of you? And I think social care is getting better at data. And, and I think that's, that's a really important building block of, for research. I think one thing that we've learnt by being involved with yourself, Laura, and the Vivaldi Project, which is really encouraging, is that what the Vivaldi project is doing and has achieved is that it produces data that is then used and applied. It's not mm. put in a data bank and stored for 15 years just for the sake of doing some research, isn't it? Mm. It actually has a measurable outcome and it's working. So I think it's a, it's a real opportunity, Laura. How, how can everyone here, if you're not already, please think about signing up to the Vivaldi project because it is I think a groundbreaking piece of research. How can you get involved? Well, there's a QR code everywhere. I mean, what really what we're looking to do is to get care homes to sign up to take part. And we're trying to make it as easy as possible. So not asking people to do things, starting off um, by sharing data on residents with a whole load of training, explanation and work behind that, that we've been doing with the Outstanding Society and with lots of other providers. But just so we can start measuring things, because if you can measure things, then people notice. And that's one of the reasons we were successful in the pandemic, was because we were able to show this data to government and say, no, look, this is what's going on. You need to do da 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 da. And that's what led to the action. And for me, this is all about using research to drive action and improvements. It's really not, as James says, doing something to stick in a library that no one looks at. I think just, just following on from that with regards to the Vivaldi um, research, so I've not been heavily involved with that, but sat in on webinars and listened to feedback from, from providers, and I'm from Domcare and, and, and we're not participating yet, um, but the feedback from providers is that the onus on them in terms of time has been really, really minimal and they've been supported through that because I know as providers we often feel that you know the the, the, the to-do list ever gets bigger don't we and that we haven't got the time so um, you know we'll let that put you off or you know you know that you are well supported um, is, is I just, a, sorry, got, sorry to cut in Karen has anyone yeah. got any questions about research or is anyone involved in any programs at the moment that would be interesting to share It would be get it, it'd be good to get feedback if any of you have been, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get a mic to you. Just while we're getting that mic, um, there is funding streams available, and I know we've um, through the um, NHS Innovation Agency we we've been working on um, 
some research around falls management in dom care so in the home care setting and and that's been very much research tailored around what what we currently do not not that's been stipulated by by others um, and that's been really fascinating and and it's highlighting that actually there's more to do because we have collected data over the years thankfully but what we want to do is move on and look at okay the falls that occur they do happen don't they um, what's the data around that is it that they occur when people turn 80 or that they've got that um, long-term condition or comorbidities in, in, in relation so um, I, I know we've learned a lot from that and I think our team equally um, again that engagement um, has, has really helped us um, we'll hear from the lady um, yeah so I um, work for HC1 and um, so we've been very heavily involved in the um, Vivaldi study I work with um, Liz White who's worked really closely with Laura and um, it's just really to echo the fact that the in relation to sort of the workload and the impact on the care homes and colleagues working in the homes has been minimal. We've had a really good relationship working with the Vivaldi team and our support services from gathering the data and looking at data that's already available and not creating loads of extra work for people working in the homes. Um, and, and colleagues in the homes have they've loved being part of it and being part of something that can make a difference. Yeah. Um, and it really did make a difference, you know, it's, it's, it's down to Laura and her team for the whole, the, the guidelines that we all sort of adhered to and changed a lot, but actually saved lives during the pandemic. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's worthwhile and a, and a, and a, a real life example of, of how it can actually impact on a day to day basis. Thanks, Laura, for doing all of that. <laughs> well, not alone, some others over there. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I would also say that it, it could sound like it's really not us coming in as researchers and trying to take over. Really what we want to do is to help put the systems in place so that then you can say to us, well, these are the important things in care homes, not what you think, this is actually what's important. And then how do we design studies with you to get the answers to those questions and change things and improve things? And, and that really is the driver here. Uh, I can't stress that enough. I think the point for me, and this is why we do these chats um, or presentations or whatever you want to call them, you know, and the takeaway from me is something that you've just said, Ruth, is that you know, as an organisation, I could come up with something that I think would be really valid and come to you with a, with a, and, and discuss that with you with the potential of that actually coming to fruition and being a research programme that yep. might help people. And I find that you know a really exciting opportunity and I, I think it's as I said before you know it's it there is a world of opportunity out there and I think it's up to us to not be scared and take on those preconceptions of what research is but embrace it and, and not maybe use that word research and you know look at it as a real positive um, you know force that we can use to, to better our services so is there anything else that I think, I mean, I, I did, I put a question down earlier, but I think I'm quite clear in my mind, but I, I, I will air it. You know, are there any negatives to us participating in research? Is there any negatives to research, you know, being, um, or, or social care providers engaging with research? No. No, I, no. No, I don't. No, I don't. <laughs> well, I don't think there is. Look, I genuinely don't. 
think so. I just think that those connotations that we, I was just talking about, those misconceptions, people might think that they're being used for data driving purposes, yeah. but yeah. I don't know if you... Feel. I think, I guess the only, and this is absolutely not a negative, but when you get involved in research, you have to go in with an open mind. So if you're, if you're actually doing a piece of work and trying to work out, well, does this make a difference or doesn't it? If the answer is no, it doesn't, that isn't a negative result. What that means is, okay, we maybe need to stop doing that and we need to think differently about what we're doing. And that acceptance that, that you go in open-minded without a, a pre-judgment. Pre and, and research does change things because when you've got evidence, you have to act on it then. So that isn't a negative, but for some people it might unsettle things, let's say. I, I would say as well, you do have to be quite generous, I think, I mean, from your perspective, because you have these people coming in to work with you who might really not know very much, or you might be surprised by the assumptions that we make. And so we do need you to be willing to answer our stupid questions and work with us. And so there's that kind of the spirit of being open and willing to work together, which most people would see as a positive, but some, some people might find that a bit hard at the beginning. Uh, yeah, we, we have got a question of the lady in green, but just to put a positive spin on that, I think we, we as providers have got a, a role to play in changing perceptions in social care, haven't we? And, and we know the perceptions that are out there, and I suppose it's the more challenging conversations we can have with people to say, actually, no, this is what social care looks like, this is what it feels like, this is what it does, then hopefully we'll spread that message far wider. So I just wanted to put that positive spin on that. Um, if we come to the lady in green. Lady in green, thank you. Um, so I used to work in social research in a very different context, and I'm interested in seeing some of the challenges that we had there and how that plays out here. Um, in particular, you can see the value of research in the macro level. You look at one particular uh, context or some individuals and try and sort of extrapolate from that so that everyone can get the value from that learning. But obviously for those individuals involved in the research, you don't want it just to be extracting data from them, you know, taking from them and, and them not getting value. And I guess also, how do you make sure, so there's a question there about how do you avoid that? Mm. And then another question is, how do you make sure that those residents or individuals are able somehow to consent or how, how does that happen that they perhaps people um, with, you know, in different circumstances, how did that, so if this is too practical, but I'm just interested yeah. in that, those individuals who are involved in the research, how does the research itself impact and benefit them? Thank you. I'll let you start. Yeah, yeah I mean, really important questions and not too much detail at all. So I would say we are at the start of learning, trying to answer some of those questions. So we at UCL have been working a lot with the Outstanding Society to start trying to see this from the perspective of social care. We've been doing a lot of visits to care homes. We're starting to try and do things like uh, develop activity packs so that we have interesting things that we can do with residents when we go to the care home so that it's not about us turning up, asking a load of questions, and then going away. And you know, that's the end of it. So we definitely don't have the answers, but we are really trying to think through creatively how to try and do that. In terms of um, data and consent, so obviously there are two strategies you can use. 
One is you can say you have to get people to consent if you want to use their data. The other is to say we think overall the benefits of being in this are sufficient that we could say let's try and get everyone involved but you can opt out. And so we've been having a lot of conversations with the sector about the pros and cons of different approaches. The challenge if you ask everyone to consent is that you then exclude lots of people. And, and I personally think that this is a lot of people have spoken about the lack of parity between the NHS and social care. We have to remember the NHS has comparatively good data. So they can measure lots of things, they can show we need money here because look at this service that isn't working. Until you can do the equivalent in social care, you can't argue for the same kind of investment and, and advocate for improvements. And so we've got a lot to do about having those conversations and making the information accessible to residents, to family members, staff, but we've been doing a lot of work around that and I hope we'll get to an opt-out model so we can include everyone. And I guess I would just add to that, whilst there are, there are various frameworks to allow you to do all of this within the law, as it were, um, there is that wider piece, isn't there, which is the, the visitors, you know, those family members who come in and often spend hours and hours in that room and you know, they, they may or may not be the people to give proxy consent, but sometimes they're the people that you're recruiting into the study as much as the resident themselves, because this is an experience for the whole family, isn't it? Being, having someone in a care home isn't just, oh yeah, that's that, like you go to the shops, it actually changes your family dynamic. And how does, so, so actually thinking more broadly about who we recruit and whose experience is really gonna make the difference, because we need to make the experience good for the family, don't we? We need to make this as, as much of a home that they're coming into their loved one's home um, as they would if, if they were going to the bungalow down the road. I think it goes, I think it, it does go back to the language that you use when you're bringing people in because, you know, go back to the, the, the research which I was really, really excited about and thought it was going to be, well, it, I think it will be groundbreaking, but I don't think the language through my naivety that I used trying to bring people into that program was good enough and therefore I don't think we had in as many people as we could have had and I missed an opportunity so using the right language and moving away from this research type stuff is, is mega mega important to the success of anything I, I, I think from what I've yeah. from what I've experienced yeah thank you oh um, we've got one last question I think we're, we're pushing time so um, Ruth and Laura you around for a bit yeah. if people want to come and speak to yeah great yeah 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 hi yeah i'm rachel i'm a competency nurse in cheshire um so i actually work for the nhs but i'm involved in residential homes and, and kind of training up and upskilling in residential homes but my question was are we looking at something around social care kind of similar to like nice guidelines for for qualified nurses like the national institute for health where we all work um you know, with evidence-based practice, is that the type of thing that we're looking for for, for health for social? I, I suppose the bottom line is, if you're a registered nurse, you're working to your code of conduct wherever you are. Um, so actually, yes, you are supposed to be using the best evidence anyway. But um, actually, I, what we're looking at is whether there are some specific, I don't, I'm not sure competencies is the right word, but some, some specific um, skills that people can attain to be able to get engaged in research in this in in social care 
and more broadly and how do we do that and then how do we release people to go through those programs say oh actually now yeah I can I can help with that because I understand I understand what consent means and how you could get it wrong all of those things so so yes abs absolutely <laughs> you've been cut off <laughs> So coming from a nursing background, uh, we are encouraged to work against the, the, the evidence-based guidelines, yeah, yeah. but also to question them, like, yeah. is this the right thing to Absolutely. do for this patient and can I improve it? So innovation is a big thing. So mm -hmm. I think it's it's really good to be introducing that to, to social care as well and to encourage residential carers, home carers, everybody else just to be innovative and, yeah. and look at the evidence around what they're doing. So. Yeah. I think, I know we're pushing time, and I will, but I think we're not solely nurse-based either in social yeah. care, are we? And I think that's a great question because we've got a lot of unqualified staff out there. And I think that is the way things are moving when, you know, that we're looking at a staff workforce pathway, aren't we, currently? Yeah. And, and I think ultimately we will, yeah, I think we'll, we'll move towards more guidelines, but that's a very personal opinion. But I think we need to. Um, um, yeah, okay. I, I think we, we need to wrap up, don't we? But thank you, everybody. The Outstanding Society is a community interest company. It's free to join and is open to everyone. You don't need to have an outstanding rating to be a member.